Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD. I'm Eamon Clark, and my guest for this episode from the 2000 AD forums, The Monarch, it's David Page. David, welcome to the book club. Hello, fine. It's fantastic to be here. I am absolutely honoured to be chosen for this. Well, it's been, I mean, I think you've been on the waiting list a long time. I can't remember when you contacted me about the uh, the stories we're going to be covering today, but we'll get to those in a minute. We start, as it's your first appearance here, um, although I think you covered it on the Space Spinner 2000 podcast as well, but tell us your 2080 origin story, your history with the prog. Uh, okay, um, I, this will probably be repeating what I said on Space Bar 2000, but I don't know if people listen to both podcasts, so I might as well repeat it. So basically, it started off as I kind of came across a copy of Prog 534 in a children's hospital. Read it, didn't think much of it at the time. A couple of years later, my mother got me a random Judge Dredd annual. It turned out to be the one with top dogs in it. And it kind of got me interested in it and I bought a couple of back issues. Unfortunately, the problem was the because I really, really like Johnny Alpha just from the one story that I read him and in the text page thing that was in the annual. But the first issue that I got was six eight six. All right, yeah. Which I don't know. Uh, uh, can you bleep this if? <laughs> it contravenes yes. the space in the 2000, but that's kind of the issue that Johnny Alpha dies. Yes, of course, yes. Uh, it's a spoiler, but it's going to be coming up on the podcast this year, actually, so yeah, not to worry. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, after that, I kind of bought the comic on and off until about 1993 when a certain brew hedgehog kind of became popular in the UK. Oh, yes. I and remember, I. Yep. The, I instead for a couple of years bought the Freakway Sonic comic instead. I could only afford one thing, so unfortunately 2000 AD had kind of had to go. But I did pick it back up uh, after that comic went to repeats, and I was around enough time for the second story, second story of what we're covering today. And I stuck around until about Prog 1005 and then I kind of lost interest and didn't come back until round about when the Meg was reprinting Thrill Power Overlord. And after that, I've pretty much been a reader ever since. Fantastic. Okay, so an uh, interesting on-off you know, relationship during the early 90s and then back with it now. Pretty much, yes. Okay, so let's get into it. Tell us what is the uh, the story uh, or the books that you've chosen for a uh, book club today? Today I have chosen uh, Mark Merrill's magnum opus of 2000 AD, Canaan Fodder, and it's much better sequel by Keck W. <laughs> okay, well, that's <laughs> advance warning. Um, okay, cannon fodder. So I think uh, I've got in front of me two floppy collections from the magazine. Is that what you have as well? I have that, and I also have the original versions. And 
although this is going to sound very sad, but <laughs> I kind of bought doubles of the originals and kind of made a graphic novel of the itself, printed it and everything. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, that's lovely. I mean, I always love it when people make their own collected volumes. Okay, <laughs> let me just do uh, vital statistics and uh, um, creator credit. So originally... Progs 861 to 867 from 1993. As you've said, Mark Miller, Chris Weston uh, on art and Tom Frame lettering. Editors at the time, Richard Burton and David Bishop. And then, as you say, it comes back for a second story in 1996, Progs 980 to 987, this time by Keck W, Chris Weston, and Annie Parkhouse on letters. And the two collections that I have in front of me were given as the free floppies with magazine 278 and 291 are the ones you need to look for if you're after this. So great. Wonderful us, little floppies. They are. They're quite nice, actually. Uh, tell us, David, why have you chosen Cannon Fodder for the book club? Honestly, uh, uh, partially because it actually it's one of the only Mark Miller written things I can actually stomach. And also, pa, I know that's going to be a, that's a very mean thing to say, <laughs> but unfortunately, it's the truth. <laughs> and also, partially because it's an ongoing forum mini joke that I seem to be the only person that actually likes a series, and it's probably going to be the only time you'll ever get someone to actually want to cover it for the book club. <laughs> right? Okay. Yes. And it's the first time Mark Miller's come up on the book club as well. Okay, so tell us. I can't um, imagine a... why. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has, he has, let's say, a spotty relationship uh, or reputation amongst 2008 fans, doesn't he? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, of course, he is, you know, he's worth more than um, uh, <laughs> a collected uh, income of several small com- small countries by now, I think, isn't he? It kind of baffles me, but someone must see some... <laughs> some... I mean, we'll get we'll get to it later, but you know the, these rumours that you know if he wrote if he if he left his laundry list or his shopping list on a desk, somebody would take it and uh, option it for a movie. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, give us the outline. Who is Cannon Fodder? What is the initial story setup uh, from Mark Miller's first story? It is the year of our Lord, nineteen ninety nine. Uh, judgment Day has happened, everyone has risen, including fictional characters who should not exist, but we'll get to that. And God never came. He never, the rapture never happened. Everybody is alive and the world is completely overcrowded with people both living and dead now. And for some reason that baffles me, they have decided to smush together the Catholic Church and the police force to co- create the police patrol and our main hero is Kanan Fodder who is a stereotypical Mark Miller hard man in priest clothes and and basically um, Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty as I said there's fictional characters in this for reasons that I cannot understand. Well, I do have a theory, and I'll get to that after the synopsis. Uh, basically, are uh, a bit peeved that then God never came for them and have decided to commit suicide and go to heaven to kill God. 
and stuff happens after that as kind of a spoiler. Yes, lots of stuff happens after that. Cannon fodder gets involved in the case. Uh, Doctor Watson brings him in, I think, doesn't he? So you know, as you yes. say, the resurrected Doctor Watson, uh, who's found Holmes and Moriarty have committed suicide in a sort of double suicide. Uh, and yeah, so they what- both recruit Mycroft, who is a masked lunatic, for reasons that I do not understand. I quite like Mycroft, the most dangerous man on the planet, apparently. Um, <laughs> who is constantly throughout the book, he's in a straight jacket and a gimp mask because he's so dangerous and lethal. Um, and they have to spring, uh, Cannon Fodder has to spring him from prison uh, to help with the um, the hunt for Holmes and Moriarty. As I said, it's probably the best thing Mark Miller wrote for 2018, and I am not ashamed to admit that. Okay, so you've mentioned Cannon Fodder himself. Um and that's obviously, I keep getting this wrong, but it's Canon, C-A-N-O-N, uh, as in, you know, the uh, the uh, religious title. And he is a very muscular Christianity personified, isn't he? Yes, absolutely. Kind of Devlin wash, except with the charm and the humour. Okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being really rude considering this is supposed to be a story I actually like. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he is. He's Devlin War, uh, crossed with perhaps Judge Dredd. Um, so he's got the muscles and the physique of Devlin War, but the sort of no-nonsense attitude of Dredd. Um, yeah, and he's an interesting character in this strange little story. So we've mentioned Miller a few times. You know, he starts with, I think he had a future shock in Prog 643 we worked out. And he's he wrote for the you know for two thousand e for a while, but we know of course he then escapes to uh, to America where he writes Swamp Thing for DC before going on to do his Marvel titles in the two thousands. I guess probably the one I'm most familiar with is Civil War, obviously. Yeah. Yes, and then since then he's written that you know his Miller World titles, including Kick Ass, I guess. Um, what about his work on 2000 AD? I mean, is this the best thing he did, do you think? Well, let's, 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 let's do a rundown of some of the stuff he's done for 2000 AD, since I doubt you're going to get anyone to, <laughs> to actually recommend us for the book club. So the obvious elephant in the room is his utterly, utterly garbage take on Robo Hunter. Which turned which turned a wonderful, quirky, excellent character into a terrible action hero with terrible sexism and homophobia and racism and it's just it's just garbage. It's like one of the worst things two thousand AD has ever done, and I am not ashamed to admit that. Okay, yeah, no, you can't find many people who defend um, his run on Robant, uh, no. He okay. also he also did a stint on Judge Dredd with Grant Morrison, which included Purgatory, and it's sort of kind of sequel Inferno. He was also an uh, architect of the infamous Summer Offensive. <laughs> yes, of course, yeah. Co-created, co-created Big Dave, which I know has some fans, but I'm not one of them. 
<laughs> no, I can't say I am either, but uh, yeah, um, also um, somewhat on the offensive side, yeah. Uh, also, Maniac 5, which isn't that bad, but it's kind of a similar problem with most of Mark Miller's work on 2000 AD, which is just a lot of violence and a lot of mindless action. <laughs> Which seems to be the the thing with his dreads as well, sort of mindless action and not an awful lot of subtlety. Oh yeah, the two that come to mind is Book of the Dead and Frankenstein Division, which is basically Judge Dredd versus a supernatural monster for like ten parts. <laughs> um, I mean, I you know I guess his violence in his comics continues to the present day. But you know, perhaps he's got more subtle as it's gone on, as he's you know with other comic companies. But there wasn't much of it around on his 2000 AD work, it seems. Yeah, it's just most of his 2000 AD work is just not good. And they, uh, Mark Miller himself has even admitted to it in interviews that he barely read the comic before Horned and just didn't get, get a good grasp on it. Yeah. So, so it's not just the fans that are saying his work wasn't all that good. He's the the guy's actually saying it himself. Yes, this is true. Yes, I, I mean, to be fair, you know, he was very early on in his career, I suppose. And there's several creators who've said that their early work uh, for 2000 AD wasn't their greatest. Um, so, okay, so here he is with this first story, Cannon Fodder, which is the first floppy collection we've got in front of us. Let's turn slight for a while to slightly easier territory and talk about Chris Weston's um, coloured artwork. Oh That's my God, I am a big, 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 big fan of Chris Weston. As an artist, he is fantastic. Isn't he just? Yes. I have always... I, he has said in interviews as well that some of his early stuff is a bit ropey but I just don't see it at all I think he's been fantastic from the get go and he does wonderful stuff here I mean it's very inventive um, he's got his detailed characters but also he's got his the weird and wonderful worlds that they have to venture to in order to track down Holmes and Moriarty he, he draws fantastic monsters <laughs> He does, doesn't he? Yes. We've got monsters, we've got weird uh, landscapes and buildings. Uh, we've got cannon fodder sort of striding through it is all. Uh, it's great stuff, isn't it? It's just probably amazing. probably one of the coolest looking devils ever put to paper. <laughs> it yes, is amazing. Indeed. Yeah. Absolutely. And I presume um I didn't see a colorist. So I presume he's coloring his own work at this stage, isn't he? I think he is indeed colouring himself at this stage. Yeah, so it's, you know, it is beautiful, full-colour stuff, and it does look fantastic. Um, I did get a very sort of, I mean, obviously he did Killing Time with yeah. uh, John Smith, and I did get that similar sort of vibe from this as well. I I, on, I honestly think that maybe the uh, editors at the time looked over the script and said, Hmm, this later half is a bit like John Smith's work. Let's get Chris Weston to do it. Yes. And I am so happy they did. Yes, it does help, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it is beautiful work. And of course, you know, he is um, still doing great work on Dreads. We know he's also, he does movie work now. Um, particularly, I think he did 
He did design and character design work on The Last Jedi. I don't know if he was involved with The Rise of Skywalker. Do you know? I have I have no clue. But all I, but I, here's a small, teeny, weedy, weedy little bit of a tangent. So uh, this is probably not going to matter much to some listeners of this. But me, I have been getting my American friend Kazan for the past two Christmases for the 2008 Advent calendar to subject them to 2008 stuff. All right. And the past one this year, I subjected them to Indigo Prime. So oh. he got a huge look at Chris Weston's artwork, and he thoroughly loved it. And he even Googled Chris Weston's art, and he didn't realise he'd done so much movie work, and he was just amazed at the artwork. Yes, I mean, it is amazing stuff that Chris does. Um, and yeah, let's hope he continues to do great dreads for us as well. He is, I'm hoping he's coming on the podcast later this year, so I may be able to ask him about his movie work uh, as oh. well. But, you know, hopefully that um, Tharg can keep him on the books as well. God, if I had some extra spare pocket change, I would totally get him to commission that Canaan father for me. <laughs> yes, absolutely, yeah. So uh, that's the first one in the floppy. I think it is it just called Cannon Fodder. I yeah, it is. it is just Cannon Fodder. It's only the sequel that has a subtitle. So it's Mark Miller, Chris Weston, lettered by Tom Frame. Of course, lovely lettering by Tom Frame. You know, as we've said, without giving too many spoilers away, Cannon Fodder has to chase Holmes and Moriarty into other worlds and encounter some weird and wonderful creatures and monsters and so on. Um, and he ends up uh, he ends up with a sort of bionic golden hand of God in a way, not too dissimilar, I suppose, to uh, Hellboy's sort of. Hand I well. I never even made the Hellboy connection, but that's a that's quite accurate. Well, maybe I just you know this sort of beautifully designed golden looking like a piece of church um uh i don't know like a chalice or something but it's a golden hand um and it you know he ends up uh he ends up the last panel of the first story where he sort of like he's in his huge machine uh draw at the wheel and he says let us pray and it's P-R-E-Y. <laughs> I, I think he legitimately calls it a pope mobile and it's basically a, a confessional that he drives yes, it is <laughs> And I've just noticed on the table next to him in his Pokemobile, he's got the uh, the open can of baked beans that all comic anti-heroes like from time to time. And he's got a copy <laughs> of 2000 AD as well. <laughs> it is a great last image of the comic. So apparently that, you know, 2000 AD passes the, uh, the rules for the uh, Catholic priest patrol. Okay, so tell us, you like the, I mean, we, you know, you've told us already, you like the second story better. This is from 1996, so it comes back three years later, and this time Keck W is writing, but fortunately Chris Weston is still on artwork. So tell us about the uh, the second story. The second story is basically, um, it starts off with the Kanan trying to stop stop a slash terrorist attack slash kidnapping in a nunnery and kind of botches it spectacularly and is in the shock and horror of what happens. I'm not 
gonna say what happens because it is it is something you need to experience for yourself. But it kind of drives the Kanan quite crazy, and he gets institutionalized. Yeah. And while he's in, while he's in uh, insane asylum, a survivor of the police patrol because. Apparently, Kanan Fodder was the only member of the police patrol, but this new one, who is called Deacon Brewer, he is trying to look for the Kanan to deal with a problem that is happening, just to... Oh God, it's so hard to describe this one. It is a much better story, but it's so hard to describe it without giving anything away. It um, is, yes. Yeah, so uh, he's trying to. Deacon Blue is trying to look for the Canaan to deal with an issue of something invading the world. I cannot say much more than that, but it in, it begins another story in which K, the Canaan for the Deacon Blue and Sigmund Freud go to another universe to try and stop this invasion. And things kind of go insane. <laughs> they do, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we should say, as you've mentioned, we've got Sigmund Freud in this one, which is quite nice. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it of. does go a bit bonkers as, as well. But in a good sort of Keck W sort of parallel, I don't know, other worlds, as, you know, as he's prone to, uh, you know, it's not, it's not too far, I suppose, in a way from his work on Indigo Prime that we're more familiar with now. But it's great stuff, isn't it? I really, really like Nigel Wong as his actual name is. I really like Indeed, his work. Yeah. I know he gets a lot of stick for most of it doing other people's characters, but I don't care about that as long as the stories are good. And his stories are usually good. While you're at it, I've just found a page where they list three other members of the... Uh, of the priest patrol, as you say, there was Deacon Blue and includes Father Oblivion and Cardinal Sin. Um, yeah. But this is and, Blue and Cannon Fodder. And in the first series, it was mentioned that the Canaan was the only survivor of the priest patrol because something happened to them involving wallpaper. It was, that was all that it was mentioned in the first series, but the second series kind of goes a bit further and shows you exactly what happened to them. And it is very interesting. And I really wish I could say what happened, but it's kind of a spoiler. And that's kind of not what this podcast is about. <laughs> no, this is true. Uh, but it is great fun. And, of course, as you say, the, the, uh, the Judgment Day, um, which has brought back the dead but not taking them off to heaven, has also brought back um, in, this, in this sort of universe, there are fictional characters. So we get, we get not only um, non-fictional Einstein is back alive, but we also get a brief appearance from Jules Verne in a flying airship, which is fantastic as well, isn't it? And that brings me back to what I mentioned earlier about my theory of the name of the character and what Mark Miller might have actually been doing with this series originally. Because Canaan has like a double meaning. It is a priest term, obviously, but it's also about it's also about stories in which it is the canon of the story. So the main character is called Canaan Fodder, 
and it is about destroying <laughs> destroying fiction and making it up in an alternate way. And that is my theory for what Mark Miller was doing with the name. Ah, okay. Taking the canon and tearing it up and creating it in a new way from there. Yes. I don't know if I don't know if that's what he was going for, but I like to think maybe it might have been. Oh, okay. I mean, the other thing I noticed about Cannon Fodder, apart from his name, is that he has distinctive eyebrows. Um, he has the little sort of uh, end of the eyebrows hooks um, up and down, a bit like, of course, famous British comic character Dan Dare. Uh, Dan Dare, of course, starts in a very, um, um, what should I say, was it a Christian comic eagle or it was intended to be? Um, I just wondered whether there was a little, Chris Weston is making a little nod to Dan Dare in this character here. I don't know if it's Dan Dare or if it's the main character of the Trigon Empire because Chris Weston did start off as an apprentice to the original artist of that series, so maybe it might be a little nod towards that series instead. That's the great Don Lawrence, isn't it? Yes. Yes, I do. I well, Like I say, I'm hoping I'll be able to talk to Chris about that later on. Uh, I may be able to ask him about the eyebrows while I'm at it. But yes, it could be a, a reference to that, couldn't it? Speaking of, speaking of which, I kind of pre-ordered the Forbidden Planet copy of that that has that wonderful Chris Weston art on the front cover. Indeed. Fantastic. Okay, so this is Dark Matter, the Keck W story. Um, it's another example of Keck W taking on a sort of, um, I won't say much loved house character for 2000 AD because, as you say, we're not entirely sure how much of a uh, uh, fandom that uh, the first story got. According to the editors of the day, it was apparently very popular, but unfortunately... Well, we'll get to that later on. Yes, okay, yeah, why we can't have any more cannon fodder. So, but anyway, Keck W takes over and he gives us this fantastic story that does indeed go all over and involve a number of sort of famous characters, both real and fictional. Um, and as a great sort of cannon fodder has to have a battle with a sort of, um, uh, should I say, dark demonic version of himself, which is fantastic. Yeah, that is great. And Keck W is also great at bringing in sort of, um, should I say, you know, other pantheons, other gods, other mythologies. So it's not just the sort of Christian god that gets portrayed or Christian imagery. There's lots of other stuff in there as well, which is fantastic as well. And not just that, but there's also something else that the Kenan kind of wrapped in the first series that he actually gets in the second series, thanks to Keck W, and that's an actual character. He, there is a lot of backstory to him. There's a lot of thought to the character. The whole there's this whole subplot involving him and his cleaner, which was only mentioned in one panel of the first series, but is kind of spun a bit further in the second series. There is a lot of character to the Canaan in the second series that's kind of missing from the first series. Yeah, it's interesting you said that because I did think when I was reading it, that, as you said, Keck W really expanded on him and made him a more sort of complicated and interesting character as opposed to just a two-fisted uh, priest who goes round 
shooting demons and punching people and shouting. Uh, yeah, so that's very good, isn't it? It's, a, it's, it's impressive stuff. It really is. <laughs> and, of course, again, we've got to mention Chris Weston, full colour, slightly darker tones for this story, particularly, you know, appropriate enough for a story called Dark Matter. But it is stunning. It just it gets is. better and better the more you look at it, doesn't it? The whole painted look that he'd been using for most of his early 2000D career is gone. And it's starting to look more and more like his DC Invisibles work. It is, looks really fantastic. It does indeed. I mean, it's fantastic. You know, the, the airship hovering over the cityscape, some of the monsters, as you say, he draws great monsters, great sort of horrendous transformations, uh, and through it all, cannon fodder sort of blasting and sort of uh, punching his way through things. Um, plus, of course, we get representations of Einstein and other famous scientists and Sigmund Freud, as well as Jules Verne. So, you know, it's absolutely... The, the, the look of it is just fantastic. It is. I cannot underestimate how good some of the artwork is. You could say it's peak Chris Weston, but of course he's just gone on to higher and higher peaks since this, yeah. uh, which is over 20 years ago now. So it's just fantastic. It is, in, it is interesting to compare Chris Weston from his first appearance in the prog, his Killing Time stuff, his Canaan for the stuff, and then his more recent stuff like the Judge Pin stories. It is amazing to see how he has evolved. The Judge Pin arc in Dread was just fantastic. I loved all that. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah, what a great character and what beautiful artwork that Chris produced for that as well. Um, but absolutely fantastic. And here he is on Cannon Fodder, as you say, these two stories, particularly the one we like, Dark Matter, um, which seems to do something more interesting with the character and certainly sends him into some, some dark and interesting places. Um, so, yeah, it's great stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. is uh, Dark Matter is still like one of my favourite 2000 AD stories. Oh, okay. Very good. Have you have you inflicted this one on your American friend yet? Oh, that's that that is for a future time. Okay. I will I will t- explain more later. Yes, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So tell us um, a little bit because um, it is only a snippet. But why can't we have any more cannon fodder in the prog? Well, apparently, Mark Miller believes that he owns the character in. Sweetly at the time suggested otherwise. Right. <laughs> so we come, to, as ever, to the Vex issue of who owns these characters. It is kind of the same problem Zen have had for the longest time. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, it is the, and it is the same problem I think we have for most of Alan Moore's work as well. <laughs> This is true, yes. You know, of course, Alan Moore, um, you know, famously says, give me control of my characters or you can't use them again, or something along those lines. Um, Yeah, and is known to turn his back on several publishers. And unfortunately, Mark Miller um, had a dispute about the ownership of Cannon Fodder, and that's why we can't see any more. Which sucks. It really does, because as I kind of mentioned earlier, editors at the time did say that Canaan was very, very popular to the point where a lot of people were asking when he was coming back. And I think that's why they kind of threw the readers a bone with Dark Matter in 1996. 
And it was quite a good bone, actually. It was. It was a really good bone. <laughs> More meat on it than the first one, perhaps. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so we can't get any more cannon fodder. It's a shame that uh, Keck W can't even introduce the character into one of his other stories that he's currently working on. But uh, God, imagine imagine cannon fodder just randomly showing up in Indigo Prime. Yeah, that would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, he does have a you know for a comic book character, he has a great look in his sort of priestly uniform with the sort of jodhpurs and uh, the golden right hand. Um, you know, it's a great character design in a way by Chris Weston. It is a really, really good, it is a really solid design. Uh, I love at one moment when you see the back of his shirt and he's got the Cliff Richard rules okay uh, <laughs> badge on the back. Fantastic. Okay, so you've told us, I think, already, we know that Dark Matter's the better of the two stories. It is absolutely, it is absolutely high above the setting series. So this was collected and bagged with Meg, the Judge Dredd magazine 291. So you can pick it up there if you want to go back, unless you want to go back and get the original progs. If Here's a tricky question. Would you be able to... Would a new reader need to go back and read the Mark Miller story, or could they jump straight in on the Keck W Dark Matter? I think you could just jump in with the Dark Matter story. I think it. I think the first issue, the first episode of it, kind of covers the premise pretty decently. Indeed, yes, it does. It sets him up and uh, and then sets him off away in, a, in an interesting. You know, as you say, he's committed to an asylum for a brief period of time um, before he meets Sigmund Freud. Uh, so yeah, okay, great. So you could jump straight in on Dark Matter. So if you're only going to get one of the magazines to pick up, go for two ninety one, and you'll get the uh, Dark Matter floppy with it. Great stuff. Okay. What about the Grail Page game? Now, you know, Chris Weston... This was... I will not write this. This was a really, really hard choice. It is, isn't it? I mean, I don't don't own any Chris Weston art, I'm afraid. So, you know, I'm sure you and I would happily have any page from here. But if I had to narrow you down to a page or a cover or two, what would you pick? Well, this is going to absolutely shock people when I say this because there's a lot of insanely awesome imagery in Kanan for the both series but I personally have to pick the because in Dark Matter in 2000 at the time when Dark Matter was one and David Bishop had these profile pages which was like one big picture of a character and also the basics that you need to know about this, the world and controversially, I think this picture is one I want for my grill page. So yeah, that is kind of my grill picture, which I know is a bit strange considering some of the stuff that kind of happens in the two series. But I think that is my perfect picture of Kenan Fodder. Okay, and did that pr- appear in Prog 980 when the story came back? Yep, it was uh, kind of a recap page which gave you the premise, you know, the rising from the grave, judgment day, God's dead, and it had that picture next to it. Excellent. Okay, right. Well, that I'll post it up on the socials uh, and on the forum and their Facebook and group and so on so that people can see what we're talking about. 
That's your Grail page. So that becomes virtually yours in the Mega City Book Club art gallery. Um, and if we ever, you know, if we ever win this unlimited budget, we will buy it for you, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> if I had an unlimited budget, I would buy it for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I was go- trying to pick a page which had Cannon Fodder himself on it, and I was a bit tempted by a double-page spread where he meets the Divine Mother, which is a fantastic oh, Chris that, Western that, page. That was my second choice. Was it? Okay. <laughs> um, which has got some wonderful background detail, and you know, appropriate enough for the last episode of this podcast. It's got Alice in Wonderland and the Cheshire Cat in there as well as well as many other sort of bits and pieces. But actually, I've gone for the second page of Dark Matter, where Cannon Fodder in his Popemobile crashes into um, <laughs> a cathedral, uh, you know, and it's he's not actually on the page because it's just this, this dreadful vehicle crashing through, but it's beautifully done by uh, Chris Weston. I know what you're talking about. That is a wonderful image. <laughs> Yeah, it's like stained glass and you know architectural stuff and a, and a building and, a, and this this big machine, this tank coming through the wall. So I'll post a picture of that up as well because it is just fantastic, great stuff. Okay, so cannon fodder is available as we've said in these two floppies with the magazines, but you may only need to get the second one, Dark Matter, with magazine 291 but i don't think mark miller's too uh, needs to be too worried about it because he seems to be doing all right for himself doesn't he yeah that netflix well, you know, deal and all that fair, <laughs> to be fair he is you know he's a genuine uh, you know comic fan who's just uh, you know loves his comics and has gone on to write, write a variety of things and has done very well out of it it's just you know as he says himself his 2000 ad work in the early part of his career was maybe not his not the pinnacle of his career. He says himself that, you know... As I said, I'm not exactly a fan of his work, but I'm not going to hate him as a human being just because I don't like his work. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, when you see him interviewed with Jonathan Ross on various comics, you know, documentaries and so on, he does seem, as I say, he's a genuine comics fan, uh, loves the stuff. Um, so, yeah. But, okay, but Keck W, we think, possibly did a better interpretation of his character. And, uh, of course, Chris Weston is just sublime throughout both volumes. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we can't get enough of Chris Weston on this podcast. Hopefully he'll be coming up again, uh, both in person and his work on future episodes. Splendid. David, thank you so much for picking it and for giving up your time to come on the podcast. Absolutely. As I said, it was an absolute pleasure and an honour. So tell me, it's guest projects time. Have you got anything else that you need to tell us about? You hinted at something a bit earlier. Yeah, I think this is the first time I'm telling anybody this. So um, past two Christmases, me and my friend Kazan, I have been inflicting them with stuff from 2018. And he enjoyed it so much that we're actually making it a proper podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. Okay. So I have no idea when we're going to start doing that, but I can reveal that the first thing I'm subjecting them to is DR and Crunch. Oh, fantastic. All oh, right. And what's the podcast going to be called? I have no idea yet. As far as, as far as we know, it's going to be called the Untitled Podcast until we can think of a title. Although, personally, I'm hoping to call it Mind the Oranges, Marvin. 
Mind the oranges, Marlon. That'd be fantastic. Uh, so this is January 2020. Um, I've got a quick turnaround on this episode, which will be out next Sunday, the 19th of January. Um, any idea roughly when we might expect your podcast? Is it going to be uh, you know, sometime in the next few months? It might well. It's getting Kazan to read the whole of Dion Clinch is the thing, but we're hoping to get it out before the end of this month. Fantastic. So I will certainly uh, provide a link to that podcast when it comes out. Um, we look forward to more 2080 podcasts. That's great stuff. And yeah, mine, you know, DR and Quinch, uh, we've had it on this podcast with Adam Murdo from Comic Geek Speak. Um, and I know they've covered it on Comic Geek Speak, but I don't think, that, you know, apart from Space Spinner 2000, there's not too many podcasts in the world that talk about DR and Quinch. I kind of wanted to give Kazan kind of a softball thing after subjecting up the Indigo Prime at Christmas <laughs> there. <laughs> yes, blow his mind with Indigo Prime and then um, then lob him in with DR and Quinch, yeah. And then maybe in future we can get him to do some Strontium Dog, maybe Nikolai Dante, maybe a couple of good Judge Dredd stuff. There's so much to talk to him and so much, so little time. Excellent. Well, I look forward to it, David. Uh, yeah. So as I say, we'll put up the links to it and I'll mention it on the Facebook group and the Twitters and everything when the podcast goes live. Fantastic. I look forward to hearing more about DR and Quinch with um, uh, Kazan, another American who hasn't read the prog yet. He has barely read anything of 2000D. All he has read is the first episode of Stuff from Prog 1 and Killing Time. Okay. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what he makes of, uh, you know, eat plutonium death, you alien weirdos. <laughs> and, <laughs> and DR and Quinch. Cool. Anything else, David, that you've got coming up at all that you want to mention or plug? Hmm, I cannot think of anything else other than the, oh my god, I'm actually making a joke pod, I'm actually making the joke podcast I've done for two Christmases an actual reality kind of thing. Yes, Because I, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but uh, the thing that me and Kazan was doing started off as a little nod and a link to Conrad and Fox or Space Banner 2000. And then it just became its own bizarre thing to the point where I, me and Kazan are literally doing it as an actual podcast. <laughs> Fantastic. And of course, it was uh, it was up on the 2080 forum advent calendar as well. You know, one of these things that Pete, uh, this thing that Pete Wells organizes every year, which is lovely. I managed to put both of the ones we've done as part of the 2019 calendar. So if you look up the 2019 calendar on the forums, you will find the Prog 1 one in the Killing Time one. Fantastic. Well, that's been great, David. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. I mean, we've rattled through it because they are two fairly slim volumes. You can read, particularly, you know, you could read one of these, I think, in a night. And, and so much insanity happens in it that it's nearly impossible to talk it proper if it's spoiling things true this is also <laughs> true and then of course you can go back and look at the insanely detailed art um and the background detail and the characters that chris weston has put in um which is just fantastic as well um, lovely stuff yeah, really really good 
And thank you to everybody for listening to Mega City Book Club. Uh, find out all about the podcast at megacitybookclub.com or get in touch with me by emailing mcbcpodcast at gmail.com if you've got any comments or suggestions for future books. If you'd like to uh, revisit the works of Mark Miller on uh, 2000 AD, by all means, get in touch. Although, as you say, David, I'm not sure we'll get too many uh, takers on that one. <laughs> I think one of the truly insane would try to tackle his version of Robo Hunter. Yes, this is true. Let us let us stick with the original Robo Hunter and keep that in our minds. So that'll do us. Until next time on Mega City Book Club when we're passing judgment on another fine 2000 AD book, it's time for goodbye. So it's goodbye from me and... It's goodbye from me also. 